0: He uh, was back in the area. We had the opportunity to have him come and be with us this, this morning. Uh, Greg is a missionary with Chosen People Ministries. He lives in South Florida, the second largest Jewish population in, in the United States of America. And um, his, his the call on his life is to share Jesus Christ, the Messiah, with the Jewish people. And it's not an, always an easy ministry, <laughs> Um, and he might tell us some about that i don't know but um, we are just so glad to have him with us today he's going to enlighten us on a passage that i know the rabbis like to ignore don't they they'd like to pretend that doesn't exist in there but it's in the scripture and uh, greg is going to come and share with us today greg welcome thank you for being with us yeah.
1: Well, Shalom. Great, you guys all know Hebrew. It's going to be really easy. Um, It's a real blessing to be here, except I'm a little cold from South Florida. I don't know if you guys give me any sympathy. Um, But I'm a missionary to the Jewish people, and I've been a Jewish Christian for 25 years. October 8th was my 1991 as I came to faith. I've been in twenty years in ministry and uh I first time ever I went to Israel last October. It took me fifty years to get to Israel. And the Chicago Cubs won the World Series where I'm from Chicago, so it was a good year. (laughs) Do you guys know that God is a Cub fan? No, he really is, because one of the fruits of the Spirits is long suffering and it took (laughs) and it took so many years for uh the Cubs to win 100 years. But I want to talk to you this morning about a chapter, called Isaiah 53. Uh, I call this the most dangerous chapter in the Bible. I'm not sure if you guys realize this, but in every single Jewish congregation in the world, they read through the entire Bible throughout the year. Except Isaiah 52, 13. Through Isaiah 53. So they really don't read the whole thing. It's like they go Isaiah 51, Isaiah 52, 1 through 11. Whoops! Let's go to Isaiah 54. And one of the big part of my missionary ministry as a missionary of Jewish people, uh, we have this book called Isaiah 53 Explained. And last January we put it out on Facebook and I was in charge of all the follow-up and discipleship. And I was overwhelmed because 12,200 people ordered this book. It's amazing. And 200 of these people ordered this book were Jewish that do not believe in Jesus. I mean, this is like red meat for an evangelist, okay? (laughs) Because in the past, whenever I was doing street evangelism, I would always try to get a Jewish person's name and their phone number and their address and like 99% of the time, they gave me either a wrong email or wrong, they didn't want me to contact them. But here's the beauty of this you want the book, you got to give us your good address, good phone number, and good email. And a lot of times when people order this book, they're not just a person that's just like if I'd gotten the phone book and I started calling all the Greenbergs and the Steinbergs. These people have gone on to Isaiah53.com. They've seen a documentary maybe. When the documentary is by the day of discovery, an amazing documentary, 30 minutes, it's like really professionally done. Then they get this book. Maybe they read it. So when I call them, it is tremendous ministry. There was this one guy, uh, his, he was Jewish, and uh, he, his daughter ordered this book for him. And I called them up, and it was like one of these conversations that I have had with my teenagers when you know they're just not listening. You guys know what I'm talking about. You say something, and they're just like, "Whatever." And I, this guy wasn't listening. I mean, I could tell. But the last thing I said, "Listen, Terry, would you do me a favor? Would just pray and pray about the Lord uh, who is in this Isaiah 53." Who was pierced for our transgressions? Who was crushed for our iniquities? Just pray about this. And then I got a call from his daughter after um, four months. He had passed away. But before he died, he came to faith in Yeshua and got baptized. And he did this because something I said. He said I said something about Isaiah 53 that he could not refute. So this is a really... Powerful book. Um, a Jewish, a Jewish doctor ordered this book, and I called him, and I met with him, and he was he was the he was into Kabbalah. Do you know what Kabbalah is? It's like Jewish mysticism. It's like Ashton Kutcher has these little bracelets and Madonna. It's kind of really cool in Hollywood, um, but it's a 15th century. It's actually a Jewish, you know, mysticism, and it was amazing that this guy, I would say. You know, I'd share the gospel with him And he says Well God is light I said Let me show you something In in the New Testament John 8.12 Jesus said I am the light of the world Whoever believes in me And then he said No we believe That God manifests itself In ten emanations They call it sephirot Or just like ten ways That God relates to humanity And God comes down With glory And splendor and, and, And honesty And he kind of relates to us And I said, you know what, Dr. Levy, I can do better than that. I said, God came in the flesh, and his name was Emmanuel, or God with us. And so we're having a lot of great time with this book and Jewish follow-up. Also, I forgot to tell you, 600 Jewish believers ordered this book. And you might say, oh, well, who cares? They're Jewish and they believe already. What What kind of ministry do you have to them? They all have unsaved family members. So that's a huge ministry opportunity. And finally, about 11,000 Gentiles, you guys, ordered this book to give to their Jewish friends. Now that is an amazing thing, that they're going to give this book to their Jewish friends. So um, uh, this is a chapter that the rabbis wish Isaiah had gone to sleep early that night. They really do. You know, they wish that he had just gone to sleep early. Because uh, this is such a powerful book, that uh, the chapter that whenever I read Isaiah 53 to Jewish people, I don't tell them where it's from. And I love to read it to them. And it's funny, they like to say, that sounds like it's from the Gospel of John. Now, did Paul write that? And they think that's so New Testament because... It's so clearly talking about the Messiah. And you know what's interesting? Remember when I said that the rabbis, uh, that no Jewish synagogue reads this through the entire year? You're not going to believe the reason why the rabbis say they don't read it. The rabbis say we don't read Isaiah 53 because it sounds too much like Jesus. (laughs) Yeah, that's what they said. They sound too much about Jesus. And what's interesting is, could you imagine if this church said, Oh, we can't read this. It's too Jewish. I mean, it's ridiculous that they say, the rabbis say that. But that's why a lot of times Jewish people have never heard Isaiah 53. And when they hear it, it's so clearly talking about the suffering Messiah. Now, I talked a little bit about Sunday school. In Sunday school, about the Day of Atonement. That's the Yom Kippur, the most holiest day of the year. And a little less than 100 years ago, this was the major prayer that they said on the Day of Atonement. Now, I'm going to read this. Tell me if it sounds familiar to you. Okay? It says, our righteous anointed. Hmm. Let's see. Anointed. Oh, that's Greek for Messiah. Isn't that Interesting. Our anointed is departed from us. He hath borne the yoke of our iniquities and our transgression and is wounded because of our sins. He beareth our sins on a shoulder that he may find pardon for our iniquities. We shall be healed by his wound at that time. The eternal one will create the Messiah. That was read in the synagogues less than 100 years ago. On the day of atonement now before I go with you talk to you about these next couple of verses, got kind of to talk with you a little bit. we talked about this in Sunday school. Um, what the rabbis said in the oral law is called the Talmud and you guys you're glad you're not Jewish because the Talmud is five times larger than the Bible. I can't even keep up with the Bible. you got to know five times as much as that. But this is in the Jewish Oral Law, or the Talmud, which what the rabbis say is inspired by God. So if I had the Talmud and the Torah and the Old Testament, the rabbis would say that they're equal. This was written by Rabbi Jonathan Ben-Uzil. In in, it's in the uh, Talmud. And what I think is interesting is this is 200 years after Jesus. So... This rabbi could have looked back on what was happening and how Christianity was being spread. And it's interesting what he says about Isaiah 53. It says, this chapter, this is Rabbi Jonathan Benazel. By the way, his rabbi was Hillel, one of the greatest rabbis in the last 2,000 years. It says, this speak of God's anointed one, the Messiah. Behold, my servant Messiah shall prosper. He shall be high and increase and be exceedingly strong as the house of Israel looked looked upon him through many days. So, this rabbi in the oral law, which is inspired by God, said this chapter is talking about the Messiah. Also, in the Babylonian Talmud, they say, In Sanhedrin 98b, in case you guys think I'm making this up, you can Google it. (laughs) It says, what's the Messiah's name? And it says here in the Talmud, the rabbis say his name is Leper Scholar. I wouldn't want to be called Leper Scholar. But they say his name is Leper Scholar because it is written, surely he bore our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we did esteem him as a leper smitten of God, and afflicted. Wow. The Zohar, which is the meta-narrative where Jewish mysticism from, it's in the Pale of Orthodoxy among Jewish people. Um, listen to what they say about the Messiah. It says, The Garden of Eden, that's the palace of the Messiah. All these come and rest upon him. He has not thus lightened them on himself. There had been no man able to bear Israel's chastisements for the progression of the law. As it is written, surely our sickness he has carried. That's pretty amazing. Jewish mysticism. (laughs) In the Zohar said that the Messiah is carrying Israel's chastisements and sins. So, why aren't all Jewish people believe in Jesus? I mean, it's pretty clear from the passages talking about the Messiah. Well, I'm not sure if you've ever heard of a rabbi named Rashi. His, his, uh, he, was, he was one of the greatest Rashis, uh, one of the greatest commentaries that we have in Judaism. Um, and he is so well known that Jewish people have something called Chumash, five books with Rashi. He's like the commentator. And he was like the greatest, one of the greatest rabbis. And he came around in the 1100s and. He had a big problem. Christians were saying, this is the Messiah. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The Lord has laid on him the iniquity of all. So Rashi came up with a new theory. He said, the whole of Isaiah 53, which Gail read to us, that's not the suffering Messiah. That's Israel. And to this day, that's what they said, but you know what? The rabbis after him said, you know what? Wait a second, Rashi. They, a lot of them, disagreed with him. One great rabbi was called Mamonides. You know, did you ever go to New York City, Mamonides Hospital? He's a great Jewish rabbi. And they said, first of all, all of the rabbis prior to Rashi said. He's a suffering servant. He's the Messiah. He took our sins. He carried our iniquities. It's kind of like the, the law of our, our land. You know, there's precedents going legal decorations, legal decorations, and all these rabbis who are inspired by the Lord said that this is about the Messiah. Number two, read Isaiah 53. He was despised and rejected. He was pierced for our aggressions. He was led to the Lamb. The rabbis say the entire chapter is personal pronouns. Where do you get Israel? From he, him, he, him. Third, it says in verse 8, For he was cut off from the land of living, the transgression of my people. He was stricken. If this is Israel, Israel died. When has Israel ever died? It was in dormancy for a while, but it's alive today. And the Jewish people have never said that Israel died. There is no Jewish theology that Israel would die for the Gentiles there's no that there's none of that in the Old testament in fact in jeremiah thirty one verse thirty six it says as long as there's sun in the sun by day and the moon and stars by night, that the descendants of Israel will ever cease to be a nation before me. Israel is never going to die, so they got a problem with this, and they said it says um the one who had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth. Now, if you ever read the book of Isaiah, it's very interesting. If this is an innocent lamb, if Israel the innocent lamb that was led to the slaughter, that there was no deceit in his mouth, could you explain to me chapter 1 in Isaiah? Israel is a reprobate nation. Israel does, ox knows its manger, but Israel does not know its master. They are Sodom, Gomorrah, the whole book of Isaiah. Israel is rebellious and sinful, but who? Isaiah 53. They're an innocent lamb that's led to slaughter. I do not think so. Now let's just be honest. Let's look at this chapter. Who was totally blameless throughout the life? Was it Israel or Yeshua? I say it was Yeshua, which is Jesus. Which one died for the sins of the others? Yeshua died for the sins of the world. There's nowhere in the Bible. Show me where Israel dies for you guys, the Gentiles. It's not in there. What person or nation was pierced for our transgressions? Crushed for our iniquities. The punishment brought us peace and by his wounds we are healed. How was is Israel pierced? How were they crushed? The Lord had laid on him the iniquity of us all. How could God lay the iniquity of all of us on Israel when Israel was full of iniquity? That just doesn't make sense. Here's a, quick, here's a trick question. Which one lives Today? Both Israel and Jesus. So, it kind of goes like what Ronald Reagan said. If it looks like a duck, if it quacks like a duck, if it walks like a duck, if it acts like a duck, it is a duck. I mean, it's pretty obvious. But Jewish people have this mindset. It is Israel, but it does not line up with the facts even the early rabbis after Rashi did not agree with it. Um, I want to quote to you from David Barron. He was a Britain Jewish believer. He talked about what would be the odds that 750 years before Jesus was born that this prophecy would line up so perfectly. He said, It's beyond the wildest belief to believe that the resemblance in every feature and minute detail Between this prophetic picture drawn centuries before Jesus' advent and the story of his life and death and glorious resurrection as narrated in the Gospels can be mere accident or fortuitous coincidence. There's no way that this written 750 years is just an accident. Um, I want to share with you Isaiah 52 verse 13 through 15. I don't know if you guys knew, but that's part of the Messianic prophecy. And the first verse I read to you, you're going to be on board. You're going to say, yes, I agree. But the second verse really took me me by surprise when I was a new Jewish believer. It says, see, my servant will act wisely. He will be raised and lifted up and highly exalted. And you know what? As a new Jewish believer, I got that. The Messiah. He's high and raised it up. He's highly exalted. He came in on a donkey on Palm Sunday. They threw palms and they said, Blessed be the Son of, Son of God. Hosanna, Hosanna. Glory be God in highest. The Son of David. They lifted Him up. But four days later, they were saying, crucify Him. And this next verse, I, I didn't really understand it. It says... Just as there was many who were appalled at him, his appearance was so disfigured beyond that of any human being, and his form marred beyond human likeness. Now, maybe that was a metaphor there, but as a new Jewish believer, I took that literally. And I kept saying to myself, I said, I know Jesus was beaten up, I know he had a crown of thorns, and I know they pulled his beard, and I know he was whipped 39 times, and I know he was crucified, but how could his countenance... How could his, could, could his being be so marred beyond any person ever in this world? I mean, it just didn't make sense to me. Like I thought somebody would have been a lot sicker, or more than Jesus, or maybe beat up more. How could his face been more disfigured? And the Lord gave me that answer in, in Isaiah 53 verse 4. Surely our illnesses He bore and our pains He carried. On the cross, not only did I took our sins, but He took our sickness. He took leprosy, cancer, Ebola plague, flu. Every single illness was upon Him. And I really believe that that is why his face was beyond disfigurement. Because he took all that sickness upon himself. I want to go back to the verse 5. He was pierced for our transgressions. Isn't that something interesting? I mean, we think pierced and we think we think crucifixion. Well, when Isaiah is writing this, do you know that crucifixion has, hasn't been invented for the next, next 500 years? It's not even... He was pierced for our transgressions, but crucifixion hasn't even been invented yet. And it said, by his stripes we are healed. You know what's very interesting is that before Jesus went to the cross, he was whipped 39 times. And he wasn't just whipped with a normal whip. The Romans were just experts at pain and misery. And on the end of that, they would have bones and and rocks, so that when that hit the flesh, it would split open. Now, he was whipped 39 times. And it says, by his stripes we are healed. I don't think that's any coincidence. I love verse 6. It says, We are all like sheep. We have gone astray. Each one of us has turned to our own way. I really like this because sheep are dumb. (laughs) We are dumb. When I was in Wyoming last year, I stayed with a sheep farmer. He said that his sheep almost starved to death because he moved the place where they got food like five feet and they could not figure out where it went, you know. But you know what's really awesome I learned? That in John 10:27, my sheep listen to my voice and I know them and they follow me. Even though we might not be smart, if we know the shepherd, we can hear his voice. And I actually saw this because when that farmer took me out, they had like 650 sheep and they were all out there grazing. And the moment he got out of the car, he was still talking to me, they heard his voice and they all came to that, to that truck. See, the sheep knows his voice. So, verse 8. He is cut off from the land of the living. What does that mean? I'm pretty sure that means he's dead. Would you agree? If you're cut off from the land of living, you died. And what's interesting is also said he was assigned a grave to the wicked and the rich in his death. Now that's a real coincidence. Because when Jesus was on the cross, he was under two thieves. And when he died and they took his body, Joseph of Arimathea, a very rich man, took that body and put him in his tomb. It says in John fifteen forty three, Joseph Arimathea, a prominent member of the council, who was himself waiting for the kingdom of God, went boldly to Pilate and asked for Jesus' body. Isn't that interesting? Fulfills that prophecy. Um, verse 10, It was the Lord's will to cause him to suffer and through the Lord make his life an offering for sin. So, this person was highly exalted. Uh, he was lifted up. He was pierced. He was crushed. Uh, uh, he was smitten. He was afflicted. The Lord laid on him the iniquity of all. He is dead. Would you agree? Verse 10 is pretty amazing. Here's why I think the rabbis really don't want this verse read. Not only does this is a show about the suffering servant, but it shows the resurrection of the Son of God verse 8 and through the Lord make his life a guilt offering will be an offering and will prolong his days now wait a second this guy's dead if this guy is dead how is he going to prolong his days well Christianity comes down to this one thing either the tomb was empty or not I think it was empty, don't you? And also, it says, After he had suffered, he will see the light of life. Light of life? Wait, this guy's dead. He's in a tomb. And be satisfied by the knowledge my righteous servant will justify man. Well, how is this person, he's dead... He now sees the light of life and now he's going to justify us and my favorite word my favorite word in the bible is justification because that's a legal declaration it means not guilty past present and future that no matter what you've done god has declared not guilty and whatever we do god looks on the righteousness of christ that is in us. Now that is a great word, don't you think? And it says here that he will justify many. Romans 5.1 Therefore, since we've been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So this ties in to Romans 5.1 I like this. He's resurrected. He's no longer dead. And he is the light of life. And I like how it says, and he shall uh, live through his offspring. And that's you guys. That's me. We live through our offspring. And I cannot tell you, but one of the greatest moments in my life was seeing Ella, who's now 14. And when she was 11, she was a lead play, lead in Annie, school play. You would have thought that she was on Broadway. I mean, I practiced lines with her. I was more nervous than she was. And I was living through her. And Christ being inside of us is living through us. Um, Isaiah 53, was it mentioned by the apostles? Yes. Do you remember the story in Acts 8? Do you remember Philip is running along the chariot? Kind of a strange thing, you know. He's running along, and there's an Ethiopian eunuch, and uh, he says to him, he says, do you, under, "Do you understand this?" And the passage was, "He was led like a sheep to the slaughter, and the lamb before it shears the silence. So he did not open his mouth, and in his humiliation he was deprived of justice. Who could speak of his descendants For his life was taken on earth." And the eunuch asked, "Is this Isaiah, or is he talking about somebody else?" And Philip starts with this passage and shares the gospel with him, and he gets saved, and he comes to know the Lord. Pretty amazing. Now, do you know the story of the walk to Emmaus? Two guys are walking from Emmaus uh, to Jerusalem. They're on the road. It's about seven miles, and they're talking about everything that happened, uh, about the death, burial, and resurrection of Messiah. Jesus comes on the scene. They don't recognize him. Um... They say, they talk about what happened, and then Jesus said this verse. And beginning with Moses and the prophets, he exploited them all what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. Now, that is a Bible study I wish I was in on. You got a seven mile walk with the risen Son of God, the Messiah. And He's going to take you through the Torah, the prophets, and the writings. And He's going to tell you everything that testifies of Himself. What a messianic prophecy, class. Could you imagine that? I guarantee you. I don't know which ones He would have done, I guarantee you Isaiah 53 would have been one of them that Jesus talked about. Now, Isaiah 53, if I have one chance with a Jewish person, I'm going to share this verse with them. Why? Because it's the life, death, burial, resurrection of the Messiah written over 750 years before he was born. They've never read it. But if you can show them that is from the Jewish scriptures, they will think. I think if you're an intelligent, logical person and you read this with an open heart, there is no way that you can come away from this not knowing that this is Jesus. And even the rabbis say... We don't read this because it's about Jesus. Now, I came to faith in Messianic prophecies because before I got married, a pastor said, I want you to read this book called More Than a Carpenter and Josh McDowell. And uh, I read this and um, I could not believe that I went to Hebrew school for five years, twice a week, And the rabbis never told me about Messianic prophecy. Now, what's a Messianic prophecy? We just read one. Do you want to hear another one? For unto us a child is born, and unto us a son is given, and he will have the government on his shoulders. And at that point, I'm all right with that. And the Jewish people are too. Hey, we got a Jewish kid that's born who's going to be the first president of the United States. You know, that's okay. But this next verse, they can't deal with. He will be called Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. When in the Bible is something called Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, and and Mighty God? You're not going to find it. So this is a child born, and he is God. So I started thinking, you know, maybe it's possible that Jesus was the Messiah. And I heard the gospel on October 8th. Of 1991 And I came to faith in the Messiah And since that night uh, I've been on a mission And that mission Maybe not that night Maybe about 4 or 5 years later I went into full time ministry uh, With chosen people To preach the gospel to Jewish people And that's my heart and my soul My desire is that I can talk To as many Jewish people as I can And I'm going to say something That is politically incorrect But I'm leaving in a couple hours. I can do it. (laughs) Jewish people, whether they're doctors or lawyers or nice people or friendly or nice to you, they're going to stand before the Lord one day. And I don't know how their sins are forgiven. But I know that there is only one way that we have salvation. And his name is Yeshua, which means God is our salvation. So, I want to ask you guys to take out this card real quick and open up to the last section. And I want to see if you guys can do this again, because you guys didn't do it two years ago. We're going to rip this on exactly the count of three. Now, if anybody rips this on exactly the count of three, I've been told that it will usher in the second coming of the Messiah. So, no pressure whatsoever. Ready? One, two, three, four, five, six. Pastor Sid, I'm going to have to come back again. Um, Listen, if you guys, I'd love to have you guys get our free newsletter. It is a blessing. You're going to learn about the Jewish roots of our Christian faith. You can pray for me as your missionary To the Jewish people, Uh, you might say. I sometimes think I'm a foreign missionary because South Florida is more like Sodom and Gomorrah, so I feel like I'm in a foreign place. But also, if you fill this out and you drop it off in the table, I've got a little basket. You're going to learn about what is happening in Israel. Spoiler alert: what you read, what you watch on TV. Whether it's CNN, Fox News, or MSNBC is not what's really happening in Israel. So I hope you fill this out to get our our free newsletter. Um, I bought some not-so-free stuff, and here's one of them. This is a tract of... Of whom does Isaiah 53 speak? And I have a bunch of them on one on 27 prophecies fulfilled in the day or how do we know the Messiah. I want you guys to all take some of these so I don't have to schlep anything back to Fort Lauderdale. But if you get one of these and you know a Jewish person, don't say, um, Mr. Steinberg, this is about Jesus, the Son of God, the Savior of the world. You need to read this. You know what? It's going to go in the garbage. But here's what you do. You say... uh, Sir, would I say Mr. Steinberg? Steinberg. (laughs) Sometimes I mix my Jewish names. Mr. Steinberg, would you read this? I picked this up. It's about a prophecy in the Old Testament. And I know you're Jewish and you probably know a lot more than I do about the prophecies. I was wondering if you could read this and help me understand it. See, if you peel that way to a Jewish person, there's a good chance that they can read this. So, that's. I hope that you do that. Take out all the free stuff. And what do I do as a missionary? I meet one-on-one with a lot of Jewish people who have ordered Isaiah 53. I gave you some stories. I have a weekly Bible study. And an Orthodox Jewish woman went to my Bible study. And we studied with her for nine weeks. I gave her the kitchen sink. And she just didn't get it. (laughs) And so, she we stopped meeting with her. But you know what? I feel good about it because I did everything that I could to share the gospel with her. So, I'm hoping more unsaved Jewish people can come to my Thursday night Bible study. One thing that Chosen People does have is called high holiday services. You guys are probably unfamiliar with Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur are Mother's Day, Easter, and Christmas boiled into one. Every Jewish person goes to synagogue. But here's the deal. The rabbis are smart. There's no free will offering. You want to go to temple, it's $500 to walk in the door per person. You want to sit in the front seat, it's about $5,000. And you got a little gold plaque there. So it's kind of a funny story. When I was first dating Denise, my wife, she took me to church. And I started to break out in a cold sweat because she kept walking towards the front row. <laughs> And my heart was beating like crazy. And she said, we always sit in the front row. And I thought I was going to pass out. (laughs) I'm like, I can't afford that. And then there was a lady in the front seat, and she just moved over. And I said, where am I? (laughs) I mean, it was amazing, just the love from Christianity. So anyways, Chosen People, we have a lot of big events. We have Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, and the beauty is, that Jewish people will go to an event where there's Jewish liturgy and Jewish song, but they get to hear the gospel. And last uh, Rosh Hashanah, we had 250 people come, and over 40% were Jewish that heard the gospel. So um, God is a really moving. Um, sometimes God puts me in unique opportunities. Uh, I went to, uh, I, I led this Jewish kid to the Lord. and He was like 22, and he got married, and he flew me out to officiate his wedding and i said uh you know i had discipled this guy, this kid and and uh, he he came to faith in boca raton ground zero of judaism in south florida but anyways i was going to officiate his wedding and i said seth what kind of people are coming he said oh Oh, Greg, don't worry. They're all believers. So I said, oh, that's fine. So I wrote my ceremony and everything. And I'm walking in, and I, Muslims are coming in, and Orthodox rabbis. And I could tell young atheists. And I'm like, oh they. And I just did what I did. And the mother was, said, I have not had so many compliments in my life. He says, Muslim atheists loved to hear about your faith and what it meant to you. And they're very interested in in what you believe, and they want to know more. And she said, "You have a new name." And I said, "What's that?" They said, "The millennials are calling you Rabster, half rabbi, half pastor." So, anyways, <laughs> so anyways, it's always a blessing to be here. Please fill out the card and drop it in the plate. And and Pastor Sid, I just want to thank you for being a, a kosher-hearted gentile. I just thank you for an opportunity. Uh, to come share, and we've kept in contact over the years. Your pastor has a real love for Jewish people, but I tell you, every time I say his name, it's easy for me because there was a great Jewish com- comedian called Sid Caesar. Do you remember him? <laughs> so it's easy to remember, you know, Sid, Siever, Sid Caesar. So, anyways, I just want, maybe you're Jewish. Who knows? I don't know. <laughs> anyways, thank you guys. So much. Um, it's been a real blessing to be with you. Uh, thank you for reminding me why I live in South Florida this morning. <laughs> oh, and I'm on Facebook. If you want to go on Facebook, um, I have two things that I do. I, I I quote scripture, and quotes. Julie will know that. Or I have horrible jokes. <laughs> and I know. What, but you know what? I got an email from a lady. She said, "My dad passed away." but every day we read your horrible jokes and it was that was the highlight of his day was your bad jokes like do you know why we don't do you know why you don't gossip on a farm because the potatoes have eyes the ear the ear the corn has ears and the beans stalk get it <laughs> all right on that i better leave
0: I should dig into the family history because I am from South Florida. So maybe there's something I don't know yet. Did you enjoy that today? I hope it was challenging to you. And I love the way he said, you know, this is how you present this tract to a Jew. Okay, here's something that's all about Jesus. Bang, The wall goes up. But here's something about Old Testament prophecy. Maybe you could help me understand it better. Well, they're all about that, huh? We're going to educate a Gentile a little bit on Old Testament Scripture. So I thank you, Greg, for sharing with us today. Thank you for the work that you do. And I would encourage you, um, in any way God might lead you, to get involved in the ministry of chosen people, and specifically in, in uh, Greg's ministry. And um, there, are, he like I said, he's got some free stuff on the table back there and some not-so-free stuff. I would encourage you to check that out on your way out today. And let's pray before we go this morning. Father, we bless your holy name and we thank you for the gift of your son, Jesus Christ. And what a joy to know him and to serve him. But also what a joy to be able to share him with others who don't know. And I don't know how many of us ever um, uh, encounter Jewish people um, in our day-to-day activities. Lord God, but it really doesn't matter if it's Jew or Gentile. There's all kinds of people out there who don't know Jesus and they need to know. So whether we've been challenged today to a ministry, maybe an opportunity to share with a Jew or, or someone who isn't a Jew, maybe we may we be faithful to your call on our lives to say, here's what Jesus has done for me and here's what he can do for you. And here's why he came and, and be faithful to your call on our lives to be missionaries in our own right in the world where we live. Thank you for our time together this morning. Thank you for the way you've blessed our hearts. And we pray now that we would go in the grace and peace that you give. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for being here today. God bless you as you go.